Welcome to Fitness in the World with Benjamin Kasanji. Okay, let's get into the word. Hallelujah. This one you should call it raised to life, but still part of eternal life. First John 5, 11 to 13. Let, let's read in NKJV. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the son of God. I've emphasized this enough, that it is possible for you to be a child of God. It's possible for you to be a believer, but you're not living the eternal life. And this is what I've been laboring to share this whole time, what the eternal life is. So John is writing to believers. These are the ones that have received the Son of God. But he's saying, I write to you that you may know that you have eternal life. In other words, they had already received it, but it is possible for you to have it and not know that you have it just like it is possible for you to have money in the bank and not know that you have it in the bank. Without the new birth, we are dead. Eternal life begins when we get born again. The day you gave your life to Jesus Christ is the day you started living. Many times death is referred to in scripture, and this is spiritual death that is referring to there. Many times you're going to read about death. I died, I died with him, I was crucified with him, uh, he raised us from the dead. Many scriptures, New Testament and Old Testament, refer to death, but they are speaking about spiritual death. And the truth is that it is better to be physically dead than to be spiritually dead. The Bible says that he that has the son, even if they die, they will still live. I want to explain this, yeah? Spiritual death means, does not mean ceasing to live physically. And many times you're going to see that in the Bible, whenever he talks about death, he's not necessarily meaning ceasing to live. Because no one will ever cease to live totally. The ones in hell are referred to as death. They are experiencing eternal death, eternal damnation. So if it was just about ceasing to live, then no one would die. No, then no one dies. And that's what I said about eternal life. Eternal life doesn't just mean a life that goes on forever. It is the life of God. It is knowing God, experiencing God, God being a reality. Like he tells us in John 17, 3, that is eternal life. So spiritual death or this death that he, he talks about is you not being sensitive anymore to God. You not being alive to God anymore. You not being in a relationship with God. You being separated from God. You living a life apart from God, that is death. And that is the worst kind of death that there can ever be. How did this death begin? How did it come into the earth? Genesis chapter 2 verse 17. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Many people read this scripture and say, but they didn't die. They went on to live for 990 what years. They didn't die. They died, surely. The day that they ate of that fruit is the day they died. They died to God. They died to this, this spiritual life that they had, this ultimate life that they had. They died. And when we read, when we read Genesis chapter 3, verse 7 to, to 10, I want you to say, I want to show you elements of death here. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. The eyes of both of them were opened. That word opened there, the Hebrew word, like senses awakened, senses coming to life. That is what it means. And they knew, that word knew is the word yada. The same way in the Greek it would be the word it, epignosis, where like knowledge that brings full awareness. So they got to know. They got to know by feeling, by experiencing. It was not just by their head. They got to know that they were naked and they sewed figs together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord, God walking in the garden, in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? 
So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid. For the first time, man was afraid. That is death. That is not the nature that God intended man to have when he was creating him. When man was alive to God, man was not naked. When he was alive to God, he was not afraid. When he was alive to God, there is no guilt. There is no shame when he was alive to God. Let's read the, Romans chapter 5 from verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man, sin entered the world, and death through sin. And thus, death spread to all men, because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. Let's read it in NLT. Go back to verse 13. We read it in NLT. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Still, everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses. Look, sin, no, no one was regarded as sinner by the law. Legally, no one took account for their sin until the law was given, until Moses' law was given. That is why you see, Cain kills somebody, murders somebody, and he runs to God for protection. And God tells him, whoever touches you will be avenged seven times. You see, that was not the law. The Lord God will not protect a murderer like that. So during that time, they got away with their sin. Abraham came and lied, and it, it was not a big deal. He slept with his slave he did, like it was not a big deal. But he's showing us that even during this time when sin was not being imputed, during this time when sin was not accounted to men, still death reigned. Let's read in the Amplified. Try the Amplified. Go back. Yet death held sway from Adam to Moses, the lawgiver, even over those who did not themselves transgress. Who did not themselves transgress? A positive command as Adam did. Adam was a type, prefigure of the one who was to come in reverse, the former destructive, the latter saving. There's a version that says death reigned like a king. And that is why when you go to verse 17, he says, we who have received the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life because death was reigning as a king. Death did not wait for the law to reign. People died to God. People were not sensitive to God anymore. And that is the worst kind of life to live. From the day you become alive to God, if eternal life is a reality to you, if every day you experience this God, if he is real as you live, the worst thing, that you can ever dream of is to be separated, is not to experience it. Hallelujah. Ephesians 2, 1 says, you, everyone here, we who are born again, and you, he made alive, who are dead in trespasses and sins. He made alive. He made you alive. One time you were dead. So this death he's talking about is not a physical death. It is the spiritual death, and it is the worst kind of death, that you're not alive to God. Imagine man that had fellowship with God. God came in the cool of the day, and Adam and Eve had fellowship with him. They had, they, they had communion with him. They interacted with him. Imagine the, Adam is the one who named all these things, as in that is how he was a, he was a co-worker with God. He did all these things. He named animals. And now a time comes where he's scared of his very friend. He's afraid of God. He can't relate with God that way. And this continues. We see it even when God gets the children of Israel out of Egypt, bringing them to, to, to the promised land. The major purpose was to bring them to himself. Moses always said that they may come and worship their God, that they may come and talk to their God face to face, that they may come and hear their God speak to them. When he spoke to them, they were so terrified that they told him, you speak to Moses, stop speaking to us, speak to Moses. A God who had waited for them for 400 years, he had waited for this relationship. And when the time had come, they said, no, 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 no. Why? Because they were so dead. They were so dead. You see, when somebody is dead, things, of this, thing, things on earth are not appealing to them. Hallelujah. You can put the nice aroma in the room, in the mug. You can put the best aroma in a mug, and none of them will shake. None of them will sound hungry. Why? Because they are dead. 
That is what happens when people don't have Christ. They don't have God. You see, God is coming. He's brought them as into himself. That is something anyone should die to have. But they said no. Why? Because they were dead. They were dead. God was not appealing to them. Godly things were not appealing to them. They were dead. And we were dead. We were not alive to God. We were fending for ourselves. That is the life that we were living. And you see, even up to today, like he says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, when he says, for the wages of sin is death, that is still true. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. I like what he says. You see, eternal life is a gift. It is not something earned. Death is earned. It is a wage. It's a payment. It's a wage of sin. But like he says that the wages of sin is death. We see this even in Christians up to today. But as a Christian, whenever you yield to the devil, whenever you let sin in your life, there is death in that particular area. There is lack of sensitivity to God in that particular area. And so because of man's fall, that death reign, that is why we teach the word. That is why I'm teaching eternal life. The man's mindset can be renewed. One of the greatest criticisms we get is to say that sickness is from the devil. God does not put sickness on anyone. God does not teach lessons with sickness. He said his word is enough for teaching, for reproof, for rebuke. His word is enough. It is not sickness that he has to use. But because man was so dead, in his dead nature, sickness was appealing. Sickness was something to testify about. Sickness was something to glory in. And that is why it has taken human beings so long, even believers, to start walking in divine health. Because we have an allowance for it. We have an allowance for it. We are not alive. And wherever sin comes, there is a death that comes. Like an example, addictions. How do addictions begin? You see, I can talk about this because I've gone through addictions. You see, before you're addicted to anything, you're not alive to it. You're dead to it. You look at people smoking and you're like, ah, they are ruining their lives. They are ruining their lives. But you see, that day, that day you open that day, a time comes where you're like, how can I live without smoking? Because you're now so alive to it. You're bound to it. And it is the same thing that happens even as a Christian, something you open up to. Just like I was talking about gossip. For some people, it is so hard not to gossip. Take it to God. Get renewed. Because you're so alive to it. You just itch to tell somebody about somebody. You're so alive to it. Fornication, all these things that we talk about. Before somebody ever fornicates, it's not so big a deal. They get into it that now they struggle with it. They struggle to practice self-control. Because you see, there is a death that happened there. In that area, being alive to God, you killed that sensitivity to God. If you didn't kill it, you numbed that sensitivity to God. Spiritual death does not mean ceasing to exist, like I have said. But it means you become alive to something that is contrary to what God says. That is spiritual death. You become alive to something that is not of God. You become alive to something that is not of God. How many Christians say church things are boring? Godly things are boring. We can't just read the word all the time. We can't just sing worship all the time. They are so alive to something else. There is something else that they are so alive to. And this is what he's saying. The wages of sin is death. It is death. Many Christians fight against tithing. And in the area of finances, they die to God. A Christian who is so against such things, principles that God has instituted, it is very hard that they will ever tell you that God told me this year to give my whole salary for this month to the gospel or to a certain orphanage. No, they are dead. God can't speak to them in that line. He can, but they can't hear him. That part is numbed. It is just like us are physically, like human beings, biologically. Whichever you can expose your body, certain parts of your body, to adverse conditions, that those parts become dead, sensitive to that. You start, you start walking on foot, barefoot everywhere. You're walking on barefoot everywhere. You see, you're going to realize that 
one who has not been walking on barefoot, even when they just step on tama, you feel like your feet are hurting or you feel like you're being tickled. You feel ticklish. But you see, there's somebody who can't feel that because of how long they've walked barefooted. If you're doing, doing push-ups, the first time you do the knuckle push-ups, definitely you're going to hurt, you're going to be bruised, you're going to... But it says you keep doing them, you develop pants that are hard and you can do without feeling any pain because you are now alive to that. So when, when Adam sinned, he became dead to God but alive to the devil. And that is why every non-believer that is out there, they are, that's why some of the things that we do are crazy to them because they are not alive to them. Yeah, they're going to tell you every month you're going to take your 10% to the church. That does not, that's not logical. But it is not a reality to them. And you see, that is why I normally say that the gospel should be presented in different stages. That is why when somebody just gets born again, I'm not going to teach them about giving or about finances. There are basics that they should understand. They should know how good this God is. They should know the price that he paid for them. They should know... There are things that they should know. So many times when, when we expose them to some of these things that are meant to come at a certain level, they become numb to the very basics of the gospel. And so death keeps reigning in particular areas of their life. That is why somebody will say, I've been tithing all this while, I've been doing all this while, but look, I've been kicked out of the house. Why? Because they were never really alive to God in the very basic area that they were meant to be alive to God. You who has grown in God, whether you're kicked out of the house, you know that, as in, you, your tithing is now beyond the level of God keep me in a house, so it, it's beyond that. But you see, if somebody, a new believer, that's what they were begun off with, you're going to affect them, you're going to, to cripple them. It's, it's just like if, if you start a baby very early, you start them with sweets, they don't have self-control, sweets are so nice, you're going to keep visiting the dentist. There are things that they should begin with. These are times somebody can, can, can have sweets and they have self-control. And that is why many things that Christians are being taught today, even Christians oppose. Things that are right in the Bible because we became so alive to that fallen nature. We became so alive to the lies of the devil. We became so alive. I'm telling you the first time I heard that it is possible for you never to fall sick. My head was just spinning. But I think I was tuned in already because it brought excitement. It didn't, I didn't reject it. I was just excited and I'm like, wow, I should pursue this. I should pursue this. But you see, today you tell that to a Christian. A Christian will tell you, then how shall we die? Among us things that you really need to worry about, as in death, don't worry so much about death. You don't need to worry so much about how you shall die. Most people who have died, they've not really, it's not really because they discovered how they should die. Or, but you see, because we've become so alive to death that he's talking about, that we are alive in death. These are the things that appeal to us. It appeals to us for me to say, everyone is struggling, everyone is suffering, everyone. But you see, when you read scripture, you see the contrary. It appeals to us to say every marriage is struggling. It appeals to us to say every business is struggling. It appeals to us to say everyone has an addiction. So where is the power of the living Jesus? Where is that life that Adam had before the fall? And yet he promised us after he came, the life that he gave to us is better than the life that Adam had. He took us higher. That I had this from, it was from Arnold Schwarzenegger, which, which, which sounded so good. He said, he was asked, why have you succeeded? And he said, it is because I, normally, I don't have plan B. He says, when you have plan B, all the energy that you would invest in plan A, you start drawing into plan B. And that is what happens. Many times we postpone healing, we postpone prosperity, we postpone living happy, we postpone, why? Because we have plan B. Because you see, we come to church and we tell us, we come to church and, and we are told, we are told things like how everyone must go through this, how everyone must go through this. So it comforts you. The energy that you'd have put in meditating and renewing your mind to live the eternal life, to live this new life that God has bought for you, that energy, you, 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 you divert to 
It's a process. It's a pro- you see, we talk about process so much. And process is good. God takes us through process. But there's a lot of process that we take ourselves through. I woke up one day and said, I'll never borrow again. I'll not be in debt again. I woke up and decided. And this is more than what? More than 10 years ago. I woke up and decided. But you see, there's another person who is going to tell me, oh, you see, it can't happen in one day. And you see, if that is what I buy, 10 years later, I would still be there. It is the same thing when when we come and talk about healing, and that is why I like when preaching about healing, that we prepare people for the instant. You see, when you're praying for the sick, you prepare them for the instant. Pray for them and ask them, do you feel better? Is there anything you could not do that you can do right now? Let's just say, oh, yeah, you go, God will heal you. It is that. He will heal them next year. He will heal them the other year. I'm not saying that it is not true that there are times healing happens in, in progress, like progressively. It happens. Even in the Bible, he said the leper, he talked to the men with leper and told them, go your way. And as they went, we don't know whether it was a month's journey or what, but as they went, they were cleansed, they were healed as they went. It was not when Jesus laid hands on them or when Jesus spoke to them. So it is true, like I've seen people healed gradually, and it is a very good thing. But you see, it is not what we are to preach. No matter how tough the situation has been, every second believe that's the second for it to go. You leave the process. If it's gradual, leave the process knowing that every moment is the moment. Every moment is the moment, even if it takes five years. Believe for that. Become alive to what Jesus did. Become alive to what Jesus did. A lot of loose talk that goes on among Christians. Many Christians think, we, you see, this world is tough now. You, you, you can't get a job without bribing. You can't, you, 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 you can't just do this. You can't, there's no way you're going to get that permit from Kanjo without doing this. You, you see, there's a way to... And you see, many Christians as in such areas are still dead to God. They're still alive to the devil. They're still alive to that nature. We still can't rely on God. And then then we come and say, whatever I touch shall prosper. It shall not prosper. Why? Because he said, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. So if you're you're evading taxes, you're bribing here, then you're like, my business should prosper. It may prosper, it it may prosper somehow, but it is a glory that fades away. But the one of God may not make sense to human beings. Why? Because they are not alive to it. That is not their their nature. It is just like we talk about culture shock. You see now, let me say like here in Kenya or East Africa because of the British. We know that breakfast must have tea. See, actually, when you talk about breakfast, everybody just thinks tea. But you see, there are places where, as in they don't even take tea. They've grown up, they've never taken tea their whole life. Let's see, to you who has grown here, it's hard to believe. Are they still alive? That's what goes on in your mind. Are they really alive? They didn't take tea. Even the thin one. So you're going to go to, you're going to, go to a different country. They, if, if you're not informed, you're going to be wondering, why are they driving on the right? Why are they driving on the wrong side of the road? Because where you come from, that's the wrong side. But you've come to a new place. And that is what I was saying, that in eternal life, we came out of, but we also came into a country. The word of God is like the constitution of this new country. It is the encyclopedia. It is the guide. It's the atlas for this new country that we came into. And there is a lot of culture shock for many Christians. Because, you see, we still want to maintain the things that were right in the other world as right here. And we don't experience it fully. I've seen Christians sit on TV and they say it is illusion, hallucination when people say, I had God. An angel appeared to me. They said, those things are not real. Why? Because they are still so alive to the culture they came from. They've not come into this world. And this is what Adam had died to. Now, there are examples in the New Testament of people who somehow had a foretaste of eternal life. Moses knew the ways of God. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says Moses came into the presence of God and spoke with God face to face. No one sees God face to face, but they die. You see, that's a scripture everyone likes using. They don't know it was written by Moses, which is recorded of twice in the Bible, talking to God face to face, as a man speaks to a man. 
Then another time he went there even with other prophets, not alone, and they were all there, speaking with God face to face. When you meet God, when you see God, you die, and you become alive to him. Moses was so alive to this. I like the story of Moses. No wonder in Revelations he talks of only two songs, the song of the Lamb and the song of Moses. Because there's a life that Moses tested. I've always said this. It is only Moses who never desired to go back to Egypt. Yet Moses came from a palace. These guys who were slaves desired to go back because of the things they ate. They desired to go back. Moses never at any one moment. He used to live in a palace, but never do you hear Moses complain. Why? Because Moses had come into this life. Moses had experienced him. That is why even when this God told him, Moses, you go to the mountain and die, I think Moses was like, which particular spot am I going to die in? He didn't hold on to life. Being spiritually alive was more real to him. He was alive to God. He knew if my body is destroyed, I just continue with no limitations. As in he knew this is bringing me even closer. I don't need to put up with these Israelites anymore. I'll just be there. But you see, the children of Israel used to cling to life. There is something different about Moses. When he encountered that burning bush, there is something that happened to him. And that is why I say that when we preach the gospel, the gospel is proclamation and demonstration. I taught about this when Paul says, when we came to you, he speaks to the Corinthians and says, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence of speech, but I came in demonstration of, the, of power and the spirit. That your faith should not be established in human wisdom, but in the power of God. People who encounter God, they go far in this relationship. People who have been convinced, somebody can convince them out of this salvation. If you got born again just by somebody proving to you that you see Muhammad did not raise, you see Jesus is the one that, that was raised, you see even Muhammad said he didn't know where he was going, you see Jesus, somebody is going to come and they are going to show you Buddha. Buddha was here before Jesus, isn't it? So they are going to show you, see, Jesus borrowed this from Buddha. You see, Jesus borrowed this from Buddha. Now you're going to become a Buddhist. No, the, 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 you, you see, if it's debates, they are going to show you powerful debates. But when you encounter him, oh, you may not know many scriptures. You may not know a lot, but he is real. You see, if somebody was shocked by electricity, you don't need to tell them it shocks whether they know physics, whether they know that the electrons are flowing in this direction. and You see, whether they know this is a conductor, this is not a conductor, they will know I was shocked. A man with an experience is not at the masses of a man with an argument. He's not. Eternal life is real. God is real. He wants us to experience him. And he's not far. That is why Jesus came and died. To make this a reality to us. You see, there are things that become too late. You see, even when I grew up not knowing if it was God's will to heal everybody, to heal all the time, it was very hard for me to be talked out of healing because I saw it in our house when I was very young. I saw my dad pray for my brother and he was healed. When I was seven years of age, I was healed of tonsillitis just miraculously in the morning because we've prayed. So as I'm brushing my teeth, I'm praying. I think it's not there. I could not swallow anything. I was so much in pain. I had not eaten for hours at seven years of age. And I go back to the house and I want to eat breakfast. So you see, even if somebody came and told me, oh, you see, healing is not for today. It's very, as in I experienced it, it's too late. You came too late. It is a reality. And that is what God has called each of you for, to give this world an experience with him. That is why he says, is anyone thirsty? Let him come to me and drink. Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living. Yeah, rivers of living waters. When you take, when you receive the Holy Spirit, it's not just so that you feel good. It is that you can give the same to the world. That you speak to people and they just know this is irresistible. But even as you present the gospel, they are cut deep into their hearts. That there's something that happens to them. Because we carry this power. That is why he told them in Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Charles Osborne paraphrases it this way in his book, Purpose of Pentecost. It says, you shall receive virtue, miracle-working ability to produce evidence of my resurrection with the necessary credentials. That is what he was telling them. He was telling them, this task is so hard. 
The people you're going to to tell that I'm alive saw me being crucified. They shouted, save yourself, and they didn't see me come from that cross. Their national newspaper wrote that my body was stolen. And the witness was the soldier who was at the tomb. How are you going to tell them I'm alive? You need power. And that is why you see Peter comes in Acts chapter 3, and he tells the man, I don't have money, but such as I have, I give unto you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And 5,000 were added to the church. 5,000 were, because Peter asked them, why marvel ye at us? Although we did this by our own power, it is that Jesus of Nazareth, that Jesus whom you crucified, that Jesus is now alive. He's made, this man, he's made this man well. And these people knew Peter was a fisherman. They knew Peter was not in the business of healing lame people. They believed this must be Jesus. He is still alive. Why? Because Peter didn't just come with an argument. He came and demonstrated that this Jesus is still alive. That is what we've been called for, to demonstrate that this Jesus is still alive. There is a, they, we've been born again, which is the beginning of, of the walk in eternal life. We've been brought from the dead. But why is the biggest part of the church living like we are not alive to God yet? It is because of that. It is because we've had many lectures. We've had many sermons. We've had many, and we've not yet seen God, the reality of God. People who are not experiencing God can lecture very well about God. And come, oh, you see, sometimes God does this, sometimes. Then we come and sing very powerful songs, but we don't believe them. People come with issues and the pastor fears to lift a finger to even lay hands on them or to that same God who has overcome, that same powerful God, saying there is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. There is power. And the believers have never seen that power. They just sing about it. That is so sad. That, has, that is what has brought the imbalance that we see in the body of Christ. And that is why when we say when God was speaking to us about this eternal life, and you, the bunch that comes to Ratsi, you should brace yourselves because, you see, first of all, don't fear criticism. The truth is that even if you don't believe like you're believing, there is something you're going to be criticized for. You get it? So don't, 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 don't mind criticism. Yeah? No, you're like, oh, when people think I'm weird, if I say don't fall sick anymore, they already think you're weird. You see, you're already weird. So let's, let's put that aside. Being weird, you're already in that set. So if it's what you are fighting not to get into that set, you're already in. People are going to say many things. But one thing that God was telling me, last year I shared this. Like he says, how shall they believe if there is no preacher? But you see, Many will believe because the preacher leaves it. He said, go into the world, teaching them. He says, preach the gospel. And he says, teach them. That word for teach means set the pace. Set the pace. God has called you to set the pace. There are things that are looked at as impossible. There are things that are looked at as weird. There are things that are looked at as old-fashioned. They can't, old fashioned, they can't happen a, a, anymore. They only happened in the Bible days. It is time that we show the world that that God is still alive, that Jesus Christ is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. They say so-and-so fakes miracles. So-and-so pays people to say they are healed. Now we want to show that the authentic is there. Praise the Lord. That madman that everyone knows, that they are the ones who can tell of his story, that they can see him testifying every day on their streets. You see, as we do that, the rest of the church is going to catch on. The rest of the believers are going to catch up. They are now going to, they are now going to feel like this is, this is real. Many of the people are going to start believing these things when they see them happen with us. No, just look, just look here in Ratsi. I know many of you who have come and asked me about certain things because you've seen them in me. And there are many people that have come to you and asked you about some things because they've seen them in you. There are many people that will come to you because they, you see, the, people have no example. This is the analogy Pastor Chris used, which I, I gave some time back here, but it makes a lot of sense. Children walk on their two, not because human beings are naturally meant to walk on their two, but also because they see their parents walk on their two. You see, as the Mother or father held them up and said, walk, walk, and they fell. He told them, walk, and they saw him walk. 
But if, if they had fallen and everyone around them said, now this is impossible, let's just start walking on our four, they would be comfortable with that. They would never want to walk on their two. You get what I'm saying? The biggest part of the church is that way. The very pastor preaching healing doesn't believe the healing. It's very hard for people to walk in that healing. The very person preaching and saying, whoever the son sets free is free indeed, is the very person saying, I need deliverance, I need deliverance. The very person preaching financial freedom is the very person coming to their congregants and borrowing, asking for money and telling them how life is hard. So you see, it, somebody said this, I, I can't hear what you're saying, your actions are too loud. I can't hear what you're saying. Your actions are too loud. Is what they are preaching true? Yes. But you see, people are moved more by what they are saying. And that is why you see that Jesus demonstrated it. When they could not cast out a demon, Jesus didn't take them and now tell them about how to cast out demons. No. He went and cast it out. Then he taught. Walking this eternal life, they are to be witnesses. The work may not be easy for pioneers. Time has come when the church should stop being just fashionable. People go to church like you go to a sports club on a Saturday. It is just part of your weekly routine. That is so sad. People come to church and they've never experienced God. That is so sad. That somebody says, me, I'm born again. My parents, I know everything. I grew up going in church, but the truth is that they've never experienced God the way they are speaking. He said, don't judge me. You see, I'm doing all these things, but even me, I'm born again. I'm, 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 I grew up born again. Doesn't the Bible say don't judge? Doesn't the Bible say this? Doesn't the Bible say this? But they are not alive to this God. This God is real. Acts tells us that he's not far. He's not in hiding. You can call on him. You can talk to him. You can say, God, be real to me. I want to see you. I want to experience you. Like we were reading in Song of Songs, he wants you to come away with him. He wants to hear your voice. He wants to look at you. And he wants you to, see, to hear what he says about you so that you know who you are. Many times we've been defined by what people call us. But you see, there is a name that he has for us. There is something that he has for us. People celebrate you because of who you, because of who, what you do. He celebrates you because he created you. And you are his own image. And many times we are so blinded to this because we've never come to that reality. That is why people live in condemnation. That is why people live in fear. And that is what you see in the lie to Adam that the devil brought. It was to make God not true. And that is what the devil has really, really, really propagated. Some of, the, some of, some of the, the beliefs that are in the church that seem to be like today, that seem to be wise and logical, but they are not in the kingdom. The word is not given its, its, its place. The word is not as relevant as it is. Many believers will attack you for just saying you believe the word. You want to see results. For you saying, I don't care what is going on in my life. The word remains true. I'll believe it. Many Yesterday, my wife posted about the testimony of childbirth, which, which I've always said that we will testify about. But you see, she testified about it. But imagine there are people who are not happy just to hear the testimony, that she had no labor pain getting into hospital. Why? Because she read it in the Bible. But you know, just coming to say, I believed that word of God. Many people who are dead to God and so alive to what the world has said will attack you. But it is the price to pay because you're pioneering. Eventually, when we start having a testimony, so-and-so also didn't have labor pain. So-and-so also didn't have labor pain. So-and-so also didn't have labor pain. Eventually, the church will start saying, maybe we should embrace this thing. So the word has been relegated. It is, it, people prefer, you see how I'm speaking the word to you. People would prefer me coming and telling them about entrepreneurship. As important as it is, people would prefer me coming here and telling you about how to look after orphans. Me coming to tell you how to, 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 to go through this particular process. People will pray, and those things are good. The Bible says that in the last days, if possible, even the very elect will be deceived. How are the very elect going to be deceived? The devil is not going to come and say, during your service, you bring liquor here, bring prostitutes here, during praise and worship. That is not what he's going to say. 
He's going to take good, but take it, up, take it from place of priority. That is what he's always done from the, from the beginning. Did God really say you should not eat of that? No, he does not want you to become, to become wise like him. Lying. I believe there was a time was going to come where they were going to eat from this fruit. That's what I believe. But this was not the time. The major thing the orphanage does, it's okay for the orphanage to do that. It's ministry. But if you as a church, your major thing is to do orphanage, you've missed it. Peter said, we will not get distracted by the ministry of distributing food. We will give ourselves daily to the ministry of the word and prayer. That is the number one role of a pastor, to equip people by the word. He can teach them how to get out of debt. He can teach them how to, to go on dating. He can teach them. How, you, how many times did you, did you hear Jesus address some of it? He spoke about eternal life. If he, and that's what I was telling you last week. Many of the issues we face in business, in marriage, and what, they are just word issues. We put a conference teaching men how to be patient with their wives, how to forgive their wives. If you learn forgiveness as a Christian, you don't need to learn to forgive your wife. You just know how to forgive, whether wife, enemy, uh, you, whoever. You just learn how to forgive everyone. You, you see, it's because I've been there. And many times this is what would be whenever people came to high school and they told us about these issues. I'm not saying it's wrong, but when they take preeminence over the word of God, it is wrong. We can sit and talk real issues. But you see, if somebody's heart is hooked to God, those real issues matter. I know people that we've talked to, I know people that I've talked to, a husband, their wife is not happy with something that they do, but they said, that is me. That is what I want to do. So imagine taking them through a marriage counseling and doing what, and I've seen those who have not changed, but I've seen those who are doing something wrong, Yeah but their hearts were so alive to God. The day that wrong was pointed out, it didn't take a minute to change. The change was instant because they were already alive to God. When the real talk was given, it was instant. It changed because they were alive to God. And you see, we use that a lot in, in our marriage also. What does the Bible say? You see, that normally solves it a lot. What does the word of God say? The word of God has been given authority. So why isn't the word of God given authority everywhere? Why, why do we defend sickness, yet the word of God is so strong against sickness everywhere? Why can't somebody stand in a pulpit and do a series on how it's a lie that healing is for today? Yet there is no time you see Jesus encountering sickness and he talks good about it. There is no, the Bible says he came to fulfill, he came to do the will of God. Dan who sent him. And to finish it, every sick person Jesus encountered was not left the same. They were not left sick. Every sick person we read about given, he says these things were written for us to learn. There is no sick person you're going to see that, oh, Jesus saw them and Jesus said, oh, for you, that one is a curse from God. There is no one Jesus told, oh, for you, you need seven steps to be delivered. For you, come next week, it's when we have the deliverance service. We don't see that. Why don't we fight the good fight of faith to have it Jesus' way? Why do we let our circumstances, which are from our dead life, why do we let them blur our sight from this new life we've come into? We've come into a new life. My experience does not change what the word of God says. If I fall sick tomorrow, it doesn't change the word of God. Also, oh, didn't he preach it? Didn't he also fall sick? The word of God is way above me. And that is why you should believe the word of God for the word of God, beyond the pastor. As long as it is not in line with the word of God, no matter how much the pastor emphasizes it, it's not right if it's contrary to the word of God. No matter how logical it is, the word of God goes beyond logic. The word of God doesn't mean you take a leave of your brains. It just means it supersedes. It goes higher. There are things that are higher. Before we got this book and read Supernatural Childbirth, definitely our norm was that. But you see, now we started even seeing scriptures. I now started looking at where he's saying, in childbirth she shall be delivered. Which childbirth was she speaking about? 
Jesus being born. That in Jesus being born, the woman shall be delivered from labor pain. I'm like, this is what the scripture has always been talking about. How come we've never seen it? Because we've been so alive to the fallen nature. We've been so alive to the nature of being dead. We went through the Bible and realized there is nowhere the Bible speaks anything good about borrowing. He says, Jesus says that, blessed you are if you're not offended by his words. Whatever the word of God says, even if it's so contrary to what you have believed, if it does not offend you, it means you're destined for greatness. Many people are offended by the word of God because they are not alive to it. Yeah. Seen people cohabiting, people sleeping around, and when the word is said as it is, say, oh, it was judgment, it was. But if somebody who is alive to God wakes up to that, I don't want to live this anymore, this way. I want to live a life to God. I want to live the life of God. Hallelujah. That is what happened. But the good news, the good news is that it was fixed. We had died, but it was fixed. God is real. We were in the sanctuary with everyone. The pastor spoke to us. He gave us the prophetic word of the year. But I long for that time when I'll be alone with you. I want to hear from you without the congregation. That is what David was speaking about. I should be for you. It is very exciting when you hear for yourself from God. It is very exciting when he shows up. It is very exciting when you, show an, when you see an angel when we were not in a service where the power of God was falling. Isn't it so amazing? If you're there at your sink brushing, then you see an angel in the mirror and you turn around. You are not in a prayer meeting. The worship team was not... It was not, oh, I also saw the angel. I also, no, this one came. You are not praying. Why? Because you're so alive. You're living the eternal life. He doesn't wait for you to be praying for him to show up. He can show up anywhere because you're so alive. Just like we are so alive to the world. You know, we are so alive to the world. The world does not wait for you to, to be good for, for it to show its manifestations, its angels. Yeah, the devil does not wait for you to get your salary for you to fall sick. He'll bring sickness after you've spent everything. Yeah. He, you, you see, the devil doesn't feel, hey, imagine this year you lost your mom. Then you lost your brother. Then you are kicked out of the house. Uh, let me spare you, Oshie. Let, let me go. Let me go to somebody else. No, he will bring. And that's why I'm saying, like, in this ministry, we want to raise people who are tough, who are fighters. Because we want the church to be soft on us. The world is not soft on us. The devil is not soft on us. Even your own workplace you fall sick and not work for seven months. They'll keep your salary coming. Then after some time, they will write you a letter. And they will say, we can't have you anymore. That's the world. Many of us in church, because we like being, being pampered, and, and we, 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 we go in the world and we fail. Because that's the life we are used to. Pastor, I prayed and it didn't work. So you, you want when pastor tells you, oh, sometimes it does not work. No, pastor should tell you, believe more. Go back to the word. If it didn't work, you didn't believe. That is what will grow you, because that is what the world is saying. You'll bring your report to your boss. Your, your boss will say, this is trash. So you don't know. My baby was awake the whole night. And what, When you signed for this job, didn't you know you had a baby? That, that's what you'll be told. That's the world. And that is why he calls us soldiers. He wants us to have an upper hand in the world and here. That we are fighters. And that is one thing I have known. That is why my joy can't be lost. It can't be stolen. My peace can't be stolen. That is, that, that is one thing that my wife can witness to you also. There, there is no day that this has been a bad month for me. It has never happened. I told you since 2009, I got to know better. Things changed. There is no day. We've been married. Have bad things happened? Yes, bad things have been. So it's now that I remember it as a testimony. Another person would have fallen apart. I chose never to fall apart. She got an accident. We didn't keep aside money for an accident. He got to hospital and the doctor said, I'm busy asking the doctor, what's the estimate? What's the estimate? 240,000. We didn't have some 240,000 somewhere just for, for her operation. Babe, when you break your leg, there's 200,000. No. But you see, in all that time, man, in all things, we are more than conquerors. Hallelujah. Life is too nice for you to be sad. You can enjoy it every day. You can make life what you want it to be. If you have eternal life, you are a creator. Instead of always waiting, what is my life? What? You create your own world. I create my world. 
I decide this is how this year is going to be. I'm going to be happy the rest of this year. That is why David says, my soul, rise up and praise the Lord. Why? Because his soul was like, oh, David, you see they're attacking you from this way. Your son is attacking you. Your son wanted to rape your daughter. David is like, my soul, rise up and praise the Lord. Those things are not going to stop happening. Yeah, you, you're getting healed from flu. Locusts have come. After locusts have come, coronavirus has come. After coronavirus has come, but you'll go, go read Ezekiel 36, 4 to 38. Read it about what he's saying. You shall be my people. I'll give you a new heart. I'll take them out. I'll cleanse them. Yeah? He makes you. He makes you alive to himself. So that's what I'm saying, that being born again is the beginning of living. Anyone who is not born again, no matter the houses they have, no matter the money they have, no matter how eloquent they are, they are dead. They are a moving corpse. They are a living corpse. Ephesians 2, 1 to 7. And his fullness fills you. His, man, his fullness, the entirety of God fills you. You see, there was a kid, the dad was telling the kid, my son, five-year-old kid, my son, I want you to be very humble. My son, I want you to walk with God. When you go to school, walk with God and be very humble. And the kid turned to the dad and he's like, dad, how is that possible? How can I walk with God and be humble? That kid got the point. He says, and his fullness fills you, the fullness of God. No, 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 no. The fullness of God fills me. Then I'll stand here and say, oh, you see, we are all going to fall sick. Oh, you see, we are all going to... The fullness of God fills me. The fullness of God. What makes God who he is? This eternal life, yeah? He says, even though you were once like corpses, we were like corpses. Whoever is not a child of God is like a corpse. They are walking, they are dead because they are not alive to God. They can't speak like we speak. That is why what we speak they call arrogance. They call it arrogance. It doesn't make sense to them because they're not alive to it. It's a culture shock. It wasn't that long ago that you lived in the religion, customs and values of this world, obeying the dark ruler of the earthly realm who fills the atmosphere with his authority and works diligently in the hearts of those who are disobedient to the truth of God. Disobedient to the truth of God. What are the truth of God? Whoever the Son sets free is free indeed. Hallelujah. He came to give us eternal life. He came to give us freedom. He came that we may have communion with him. My sheep hear my voice. They know me. And you see the Holy saying, how do you say you hear God? You see, CNN has featured people saying, they said, Oh, President Reagan claimed to hear God. Uh, Billy Graham also claimed it. And you see, they are talking about it. It's culture shock. They are not alive to this. This is a relationship. It is not religion. We don't just go to church for certain obligation. No, he is real. We walk with him. We talk to him. He talks to us. He guides us. He empowers us. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He vitalizes our mortal bodies. Saying he vitalizes our mortal bodies, it means he makes it beyond the natural. There are things that have happened in our lives that are beyond the natural. And it is so sad that it is people in the church that will try to talk you out of that. But you see, there are many times that I know that the only way we pass those times, it is because it was something beyond the natural. It is what I was telling you, there is a time, as a ministry, there is a time we went so down financially until our office was locked because we had not paid rent there. We had areas for the venue where we were. And God told us to empty the account and send all that money to Bishop Isaiah. That's the last time this ministry has ever been in debt. We always have surplus. He says, the corruption that was in us from birth was expressed through the deeds and desires of our self-life. We live by whatever natural cravings and thoughts our minds dictated, living as rebellious children, subject to God's wrath like everyone else. Imagine when you find Christians living that way. You find a man mad at his wife, or a wife mad at, at her husband. And you tell her, but, but, but doesn't the Bible say this? And they say, No. They should feel it. I'm going to teach them a lesson. So alive to the dictates of this world. And that's why he said, I'll give them a tender heart. A heart that has no desire to just win. 
a heart whose desire is to just follow God, to see what God says. That is the heart is given to us. Even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, he united us in the very life of Christ and saved us by his wonderful grace. He united us, oh my God. He united us into the very life. Oh, hallelujah. Into the very life. As in, that's why Paul says, the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. It is the life of his dear Son that we live. He united us in that life. By his wonderful grace, he raised us up with Christ, the exalted one. And we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. For we are now co-seated as one with Christ. Man, that is our life. That, what is higher than that? Which life can be higher than that? He's co-seated us. Now, who can come in this relationship and try to make you fall? Oh, you see, me, I'm related to an MP. I'm co-seated with Christ Jesus. Is big, as in who can make you feel small? Oh, you see, I know a cop. There's a... <laughs> I'm co-seated with Christ. <laughs> so good that you know the cop. But throughout the coming ages, we will be the visible... Listen to this. We will be the visible display of the infinite, limitless riches of his grace and kindness which was showered upon us in Jesus Christ. We will be the visible display of the infinite, limitless riches of his grace and kindness. The visible. The people can look at me and see God. The people can say, you, 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 you're nothing. How do you come here and you, you, you're saying you don't fall sick, you don't? And I can tell them, it is God. As in they can see that is God. That's not natural. Then naturally, that's impossible. I'm like, it's true. But you see, I've become the visible, the visible display of the one who is supernatural. I've taken on a new life. No, 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 no. You can't say you will never be depressed. You can't say you'll, be never, you'll never be depressed. When I was dead, I could not say. But now I am alive. And I can say that. He told me, to God, with God, nothing is impossible. Then later he came and said, to him who now, him who believes has become like God. To him who believes, nothing is impossible. Initially, it was just to God. Now, it is to him who believes. I believe. I believe. I've chosen to believe. I believe the report. So, when he says, who has believed our good report? Teacher me. Ha, I have believed the good report. This good report is real. Hallelujah. You are the display. Renew your mind to this. Believe this. Believe this. This world is too small to sustain you. Your source is above. No matter the job you're doing, do it as a service unto the Lord. The relationship you're in, your wife, your husband, they are too small to make you happy. If your joy is going to come from them, you're bound to be depressed soon. Your boss, your friends, but we can get it from him. And he says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. In other words, what was crucified, that dead me was crucified, and I became alive. Now I'm alive to God. I, why do we hear God? It's because we are alive to him. Why, has God, why have we encountered God? Because he's alive. We are alive to him. Hallelujah. 1 Timothy 6.12 says, lay hold. He says, fight the good fight of faith. In other words, fight to believe these things. Fight to believe what the word has said. The world is not joking. The world is not merciful. But we can stand above it. We can reign. We that have received the banners of grace. If we fight the good fight of faith and lay a hold on eternal life, we will overcome. We will reign. We will rule over every circumstance. It does not mean circumstances will not come, but we will be built for them. I've always given this example. When you want to go, when you want to drive your car to the hills in Narok, when you go with a defender, a Land Rover, you get it? Then another one comes with Suzuki, Alto, Chap Chap. 
the Suzuki Alto will wave at you and see you when you come back as the defender is going. The difference is not that the heel knelt down for the defender. The heel didn't kneel down and say, oh, you're the defender, you drive over. No, the defender was built for the heel. When we feed on the word of God, the challenges people in the world are facing, we will also face. But we are now the defender. We are built to overcome them. We are built to overcome them. Sickness will come. The landlord will knock on your door. Exams will come. Different things will come. <laughs> but we have been built. Hallelujah.